Resilient Solutions, Episode 12, Four Proven Ways to Enrich Your Marriage. Would you like to know how to save thousands upon thousands of dollars in the lifetime of your relationship? Well, stay tuned because I'm going to show you four proven things you can do to enhance and enrich your relationship. Hello, my name is John Thurman, and you're listening to my shortcast, Resilient Solutions, where I help you become more resilient in your personal lives, your relationships, your business endeavors, and in your faith. I'm glad you've joined us. Let's just jump right in and look at those four proven things you can do to enrich and enhance your marriage. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, John Thurman here, and thank you so much for joining me today. I deeply appreciate the fact that you take time out of your busy day to join me for a few minutes that hopefully will inspire you, give you some tips and tricks that you can use to enhance your relationship and enrich your life. Speaking of which, this week, the 20th of August, we celebrate 49 years of married life together. And you know, the good news is we haven't killed each other yet, so I guess we're going to make it okay. It has been quite a ride. And one of the privileges I have, I am both a licensed mental health professional, life coach, and relationship coach, but I'm also an ordained minister. And from time to time, I'm invited to be an officiant at a wedding ceremony. These are always fun times. It usually means I've had three or four sessions with the clients to talk about marriage and premarital counseling to help them look at some of the things that may have to face down the road. And one of the things I like to share from time to time is this quote, is that marriage is meant to keep people together, not just when things are good, but mainly when they're not. That's why we take marriage vows and not marriage wishes. I get a little bit disturbed sometimes when I see these advertisements, oh, the average wedding is $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, whatever that means, someone's writing a lot of checks. And yet many times I wonder how much money that couple have invested in premarital counseling or even postmarital counseling because we get so excited about the event. And yet I I have to tell you, some of the couples that I've married over the years didn't last so long. It saddens me to see that, but people make choices and people do it all the time. So I'm one of these old school guys that I'm still married to my first wife, and I'm really excited that we're coming across this 49-year event this week. It means a lot. Well, in that time, we've been through several seasons. Some of those seasons have been long, dead and dry falls and winters. But over time, we've realized that with every winter and fall, There are equally wonderful springs and summer times. And I love the book that Gary Chapman wrote a few years ago called The Four Seasons of a Marriage. It's a great one to add to your reading list. Here's a summary of the four seasons. Spring, summer, winter, fall. Marriages are perpetually in a state of transition, continually moving from one season to another. Maybe not annually as in nature, but certainly over the lifetime of a marriage, we go through these different phases. There's sometimes when we face the winter of discouragement, we feel detached and dissatisfied. Other times we experience the springtime of openness, joy, hope, and anticipation. On other occasions, we bask in the warmth of summer, comfortable and relaxed and enjoying life with our partner. These cycles repeat themselves many times throughout their lives, and it's not so much how well you do in the spring and the summer how you get through the falls and the winters. These seasons come and go, and each one holds the potential for emotional and relational health and happiness. 
but each one also has its challenge. We're in a great season right now, and yet I want to remind you that you may not be in the season we're in. So before I jump into the four proven ways to enrich your marriage, I'd like to share just a couple of pieces of scripture with you. And this is out of the New Testament book, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 31 and 32. And this is in the New Living Translation. And folks, if if people did this, I would be out of work. I say that with kind of a chuckle, but the truth is, if people were trying to live this verse, I would be out of a job. But it's still a great goal for us to shoot for, a great goal for us to hope for, and a great goal for us to work towards. And Ephesians 4, 30 and 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So with that verse in mind, I want to transition and take just a few minutes to show you four guaranteed ways that you can improve your relationship, that you can enrich your relationship. And how will that save you money? If you do these, you'll never come to therapy. Well, let's begin. First of all, I want you to be very proactive in demonstrating empathy. So often you hear the word empathy and sympathy used in the same phrase, but the meaning of each word light years apart. Uh, empathy is woven deep in the fabric of Scripture. Virtually every instruction God offers regarding the way we're to treat others begins with empathy. Two scriptures particularly come to mind. Romans twelve fifteen, which says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Hebrews four fifteen in the message says, We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, but did not give in to sin. I've got a video link on the blog I want you to check out, and it's by Dr. Brene Brown, and she does one of the best explanations of empathy I've ever seen. She sums it up by saying, empathy fuels connection, sympathy drives disconnection. And you can find that on my blog, which is johntherman.net forward slash blog, and look for four proven ways. You'll find that link there. Listen to this little three-minute video, and I promise you, it'll first of all, expand your mind and enrich your tool chest as you seek to live with your spouse. And when we look at empathy, there are basically three do's and three don'ts you have to be careful of. Here are the do's. Try to understand your partner's perspective. Number two, actively ask questions. And number three, be present and attentive when your spouse needs you. Look at them, have an open posture, and dial them in. Now, here are the three don'ts of empathy. Uh, If you do these, you're going to be in trouble. So here are three don'ts. Number one, stay out of the judgment zone. Do not insert something like, well, you know what you need to do until you are asked to give that input. So number one, stay out of the judgment zone. Number two, Don't answer before you've heard and understood what the other person says. And number three, don't say, I know what you mean. Instead say, this is what I think I hear you saying. Am I in the ballpark? So number one, be sure that you demonstrate empathy towards your spouse. You ready for number two? Ladies, this is so important for us guys. Catch your partner doing the right thing. I know this. uh, It's a big one for us. In the early days of the quarantine, Angie and I tended to get on each other's nerves because we were together so much. Even after nearly 50 years, we have some habits that tend to annoy each other, believe it or not. So it's vital to resist the temptation to point out the negative and catch them doing something right. Ladies, here's a clue for men. Men are like dogs. We need three things to be happy. Someone to play with, 
someone to feed us, and, and someone occasionally pat us on the head and say, good boy. So when you catch us doing things you like, let us know, and we'll actually do more of them. And guys, same thing for your wife. You be intentional and focused on catching her doing the right things and complimenting her, edifying her, and building her up. Number three, express love. You need to be a liberal here. This is a place where you need to lavish. Let your partner know that you find them beautiful, handsome, caring. Be bold and call out what you love about your partner. As a matter of fact, why don't you Google the free love languages test, the five love languages test, get the link, take the test and see just where you are. That way you'll understand how you operate as well as how your spouse does. And one of the ways you express love is by learning to love your partner in their love language. What are those love languages? Words of affirmation, touch, time together alone, gifts, and acts of service. Don't be proud and boastful about what yours are. Instead, learn what your spouses are and find ways to express love to them in their love language. So before we get to number four, let's just review the first three. First of all, you want to be able to demonstrate empathy. Secondly, you want to catch your partner doing the right thing. And third, you want to express love, particularly in their love language. Let's move on to the fourth and final thing you can do to enrich your relationship. Take time out from time to time. In my practice, I've had scores of couples tell me that their arguments get more intense than they used to be. Uh, and this is partially due to being cooped up together so long. And if you and your partner have any passion in your life, and Angie and I do, and that's passion up, upon multiple levels, that means that sometimes you're going to get crossed up. Sometimes it may even get real intense. And believe me, Angie and I can get intense for a while. We're two firstborns. We're both kind of pig-headed and strong-willed. And so when we get heated up, sometimes we have to take timeouts. And why do we take timeouts? Because sometimes a timeout, a pause, if you will, a break from the interaction, a way to catch your breath, to regroup, recalibrate, to clear your head, is one of the most loving and one of the safest things you can do if things are heated up. So how might you do that? What if you feel yourself getting heated up and say, hey, I need a quick timeout and just go to a different place? Go to a different room, step outside, get you something to drink, preferably a non-alcoholic beverage, and then ask your spouse if you can re-engage. It's so important to realize that sometimes the best thing you can do is take a step back, slow the pace down, slow the interaction down, calm down, catch your breath, say a prayer, and re-engage. Well, that's four proven tips. And folks, after nearly 55,000 hours in the counselor's chair and 49 years of living with the same woman, I know these work. And I promise you, if you'll make the effort to even begin with some of these, it will turn your relationship around. So my challenge to you today is which one or two of these will you begin to implement so you can begin to immediately improve your relationship? I'm John Thurman, and you've been listening to my shortcast, Resilient Solutions, where I help you become more resilient in your personal life, your relationships, your business endeavors, and in your faith. I hope this has been helpful. If you'd like to reach out, you can check out my website, which is johnthurman.info, J-O-H-N-T-H-U-R-M-A-N.info. Thank you for allowing me to spend a few minutes with you today. And let me close with this reminder. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. Take care. God bless. Spread the word. See you next Tuesday.
Bye now. Thank you.